you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Welcome back to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. You know, marketing is essential to our business, and lots of us spend money without a proven guaranteed ROI. You know, I've seen it for years. I've actually seen it for decades. You know, you think you've got to spend on the old school stuff, like if you've got a local newspaper, or some people go as far as doing radio and TV, and I've always believed that that was a shotgun approach. So I'm really excited to uh, talk to this week's guest, Mr. Matt Plapp from ROI Experts, and mattplapp.com is a digital marketing guru, and he really is dialed in as to how to find new customers, how to build a list, how to create relationships, and what Matt calls the emotional connection with the customer. It's all about the lifetime value or what someone is going to spend when you turn them into a loyal aficionado of your business. So you're not going to want to miss this. We talk about list building. We talk about social media, how you can you know get a guaranteed ROI on what you're spending. And Matt has several programs that are proven to do just that. He's also a two-time author. Really exciting to have him today as a guest, so stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and these are engaging topics that help restaurants build their brands, rock their profits, deliver amazing guest service experiences. With me today, Mr. Matt Plapp. Now, he is an author, a speaker, restaurant consultant, and coach, and ROI, return on investment expert. Welcome to the show, Matt. How are you? Hey, thank you. I'm doing amazing. I appreciate the opportunity, Roger. I'm excited to have you here. Now, the number one thing that we're going to talk about today is how you help restaurants acquire new customers, how, how you can help them build relationships with these customers, and then market to them for increased return on investment. Now, that is a huge power proposition right there. Yeah, I, I think the biggest problem, and especially COVID-19, has expose this, whether you're watching this in the future, you're watching it in the, you know, right when this is happening. Uh, it's shown that a lot of businesses didn't have their marketing house in order when it all happened. You know, I had a, a restaurant that reached out to me the other day that became a client. We met two years ago and he said, Matt, I got to be quite honest with you. Business has been good the last couple of years. I wanted to work with you guys. I liked what you were talking about, but I didn't have to. Now I'm kicking myself for not doing it. And now I desperately need it. And I know I'm going to need it in the next 12 months. So whether you're working, whoever you're working with, I'm a proponent of businesses acquiring data so that you can own it so that you're not constantly renting somebody else's audience. And that's what we focus a lot of uh, our talk on. You all also strike me like we're just getting to know each other now, but obviously I've been all over your website. I've watched you on other podcasts and I've got a pretty good idea of what you are. But my take on you, which I want to obviously the audience to get is you are definitely the consummate entrepreneur. You've been involved in a lot of different businesses, a lot of different companies. You're a marketing expert. You know, you're involved in radio advertising at one point. You had a boat and RV dealership that started online and you've tied all these things together. But the one thing that strikes me about this is how did you manage to stumble across the restaurant space and you know do you have any restaurant experience or did you work in restaurants like how did you decide did you just see an opportunity and say hey I'm gonna help restaurant operators like blow the businesses up it was it was kind of funny how it happened and you know my background going back to 1999 I got out of college worked in radio advertising yeah. uh, really enjoyed it my dad is a sales trainer uh, I call him the Michael Jordan of sales. Uh, love him to death. We talk all the time. I do a live with him every Thursday. 
And he taught me how to sell and I didn't realize it, but like one of my first clients said, Matt, I'm like, I've never sold before anything in my life because I can bet you sold yourself out of a butt kicking or two as a kid because of the, the, the way you talk. And I'm like, okay, you're probably right there. Yeah. And so at that same time, my dad had uh, just kind of retired, uh, semi-retired from something and wanted to do something different. And my brother was coming back to the Navy and he said, hey, I don't know if you two are idiots or actually going to be good business partners, but let's get a $5,000 loan. He had the money. But he's like, I'm not giving you guys my money. He's like, let's get $5,000 loan from Bank of Kentucky. We got it and we started. I bought a book called Adobe Pays Me All, how to create websites. And back then, I didn't know any tech. I just, yeah, I used to make fun of my wife for using this thing called email in college. And so I was the anti-tech person, oddly enough. Now I'm the complete opposite. And I learned how to build a website in 1999. And for four years, I sold radio. And then for four years, we launched that business from zero to 15 million in sales and eventually left and ran the business full time. And then that led me to where, oh wait, where we wanted to get out of it. I, I didn't like it, my dad didn't like it, my brother didn't really like it. We had 40 employees, 15 million a year in sales. It was, yeah. it was, it was a stress level I didn't enjoy. Uh, I was never home, I was always gone because we had so many manufacturers and then just the banks owned us and then the economy collapsed in 08. I remember. So it us. Uh, I lost, that's why I've told clients recently, I'm like, I, I can relate with what is happening in the restaurant business. I lost a million dollars at 32 in two months. I mean, I remember the one month putting 200 grand out of my savings into the company to make payroll thinking, oh, this is a blip. We always yeah. do a million dollars a month. Yes. And then in July of, July of 07, to put it in perspective, because we had the property sold, we had the business winding down. We were done October of 08. And we were going to, I was already in consulting. I had my agency. I was doing consulting. I was working in sports radio with the Reds and Bengals. And July of 07, we did a million 40, a million four in sales. July of 08, we did 48 grand. Unbelievable. Clients say, hey, we went from 20 grand to eight. I'm like, dude, we went from a million four to 48. And our payroll was a half million dollars some month. And so it was like, hmm, what the heck do we do? And so, from there, I, I just I, I was fortunate. I had already started my consulting career, my marketing. Uh, I was really into digital marketing back then. That's what I wanted to do. And I had a couple of restaurants. My first ever restaurant I picked up was because it was a local mom and pop burger place, a hole in the wall, amazing burgers. I had this giant burger that made you, it was like 10 patties, <laughs> like 10 pounds of meat or something crazy. Yeah. They had a Facebook profile with the name of the restaurant, Bard's Burgers. They didn't have a Facebook page, they had a profile. And I messaged the page, the person and said, hey, I'm not sure who you are. I ate at your restaurant last week, freaking love it. You have a personal page set up as a business. If Facebook sees this, and this is back in like 08, if yeah. Facebook sees yeah. this, they will ban your account. You need to set up a page. And it was like 08 or 09, somewhere in our neighborhood. And uh, they responded and said, we don't know how to do that. I said, I'll come show you. And so I went down there and showed them. And I've always been a person that's helped that's just what my dad told me. He's like, you know what? If you give, 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 it'll eventually come back. If you're a person that always has your hand out, it ain't happening. And that's what he taught me in sales. I agree. And so I went down the bars yeah. and I created the Facebook page nice. for him, showed him how to do it. And they said, well, how do we repay you? I'm like, I don't know. Are you hungry? I'm like, sure, I'll have a burger. Well, the next thing I know, a week later, they call me and go, hey, we got an idea for you. What if we give you free food to help us with this thing? Because we don't get it. And so that was my first restaurant client. Trade. Um, and throughout the years, we picked up more. But what really got me in the restaurant business was uh, I had a client in Cincinnati area, a guy's name, uh, Nick Ellison, uh, Jay Lang, and uh, Eric Haas. 
they owned a brand called Hofburg House, Newport, Columbus, and Pittsburgh. They hired my agency to help with their marketing. Well, what was pretty neat about it was it was all my clients I always worked with on marketing. You know, we would go in, we'd sit down once a month, have a brainstorming meeting, look at the marketing plan, fill in the gaps, attack the weaknesses, and then go. Well, these guys, I was involved in everything. It was, hey, Matt, we've got a meeting today. We're firing our, uh, our head brewmaster. We want you to come down and sit on the meeting. I'm like, why, why do I need to be here for that? I don't want to be aware if somebody gets fired. They're like, we want you to see everything because everything fits together at some point. And so it was meeting central with these guys and we would meet on everything. And it was pretty cool because I got to see everything. The restaurants did about seven, eight million a year in sales, each one of them. Uh, and then I picked up three or four more restaurants from that that these guys knew of. Uh, and then in 2015, what really got me into business was Nick, the owner of the brand. We were spending a million plus in marketing for him. And they were, I don't want to say anti-social media, but they weren't social media fans. They were older gentlemen. Uh, Nick had a flip phone that he lost all the time. So he wasn't Facebook. We were spending about four grand a month on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube ads. I had custom videos being made each month. And they were getting 50, 60,000 views a month. It was, we were seeing a lot of great stuff. And he came to me and said, Matt, here's the problem. And this is his exact line. He's like, we're doing all this marketing. And he, we were spending, uh, that four grand was media. We were doing another 60 to 80 grand a month on radio and TV that nobody complained about because it was expected. You bought radio advertising. You bought TV. You had to, be a, you had to sponsor the Cincinnati Reds. And I'm like, how do we know if that works? And so he came, he said, I can't deposit a like. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you're telling me that our Facebook, our Facebook page in Pittsburgh went from 9,000 to 39,000 in a year. Right, our, but video, the money? <laughs> yeah, our videos are engaged. All this stuff you tell me, I don't get. I don't think it works. But more importantly, you can brag all you want about our Facebook page going from 9,000 to 39,000 likes. I can't deposit a like. He said, prove to me that those people will spend money at my restaurant. I said, challenge accepted. And at this point, they had never been really big on doing promotions, yeah. which is fine. I always tell my yeah. clients, I'm like, there's two things I want you to think about. Consumers don't get, don't get addicted to free. They get addicted to discounts. So if you can avoid doing a lot of constant discounts, that's a good strategy. If you can use free to bribe people and in return get something, they're not going to expect free all the time. Nobody does. Uh, and so I had told them, you know, we had always kind of lived by that, but they, were, they never really gave me a whole lot of leeway on doing promotions. And I said, I got an idea. It was two weeks before. It was mid-April 2015. I said, April 26th is a huge American holiday. It's National Pretzel Day. <laughs> and, <laughs> awesome. And I said, you know, we're a German beer house. Our number yes. one P-mix, our number one P-mix is pretzels and beer cheese. It's the favorite item of the customers. It's what we get our most reviews on. It's amazing. And it is, by the way. If you ever get a chance to go to any of the Hofbrauhaus House restaurants, their beer cheese and pretzels are amazing. And I said, let me do this. It's a Sunday. The beer garden is just now catching some steam in April. Because April, like most of the markets, isn't great yet. It's like hot, cold. Like yesterday, it was 70 in Cincinnati. Four, uh, four days ago, it was 30. So you never know where you go. I said, it's a Sunday. The beer garden won't be busy. The restaurant won't be busy. It's National Pretzel Day. Let me do half-price pretzel and beer cheese on Sunday. Only one Facebook post on each page. I'll spend $50 to run a targeted ad to our most engaged fans with that post. And anybody that comes in with this will only know about it on their phone from that Facebook post. And I said, then the next day you can tell me if I'm crazy. 
deal. Shook on it, literally shook on it and said, we're doing it. Did it. We did that promotion. And I had, at the time, they used Aloha. And so I had an app on my phone that would show me uh, the sales. It, and I was watching it all day, like, like the stock ticker, man. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So awesome. Long, long story short, it does 18 grand in sales. No shit. Nick calls me Monday morning and goes, well, Matt, I sure as hell can deposit 18 grand. There and you go. Our report says the people who used those coupons spent yeah. a net $18,000 in our restaurant after that discount. Have fun. And so at that point, I set out on a journey of, okay, how can I tangibly build a marketing funnel? That's what I call them, funnels. You know, I'm trying to get people from here and down to the bottom. Yeah. And it helps me to drive people from places and be able to track because most marketing's hope and pray. Hey, I spent 500 bucks on a direct mail campaign. I hope it works. I spent $2,000 on a radio campaign. I hope it works. You don't know. But when somebody walks in and says, hey, I've got this and you know exactly where it came from, my goal was to figure out a way to gate that and tighten it up to where not only do I get people to use that, but I find out who they are, their email, their name, their cell phone number. Are they male or female, married, single, kids, no kids? And so I spent 2015 and 16 developing that. And I was, it was kind of funny because I had my clients. And I was developing it to prove my worth on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube with them. And by 2000 and into 2016, I had other restaurants approaching me going, hey, we want what you're doing for them. And I'm like, well, you can't. You're not a client. Well, how do we become a client? I'm like, you can't. I already have a restaurant client. That was my way I did my business. They were my restaurant group. And so then at one point, I, I had a coach, a guy named Billy Jean out of California, uh, who's an awesome marketer and a good friend of mine. I sat down with him in February of 2017, and I showed him what I did. And I had hired him as a coach, and I just opened up everything in my business and said, here's what I do, here's who I am, here's what I believe in. And he's like, man, what's this restaurant? Because he saw what I was doing, I laid out. He's like, I showed him what I did for my restaurants. And he's like, why aren't you using this with 100 restaurants, 500 restaurants, 1,000? I'm like, I don't know, should I? And I, I mean, I was happy. I had one employee. We did well financially, but it had never occurred to me that I should take an agency. At that time, we had 34 clients from 31 industries. And the only commonality I had were this one client that owned a couple restaurants. And so at that point, I realized, he's like, Matt, think about it. Everything you're doing, you're recreating the wheel. You go to your car client over here who has 46 car dealerships. Something that works for him, you can't take to a restaurant. Something works for a restaurant, you can't take to a vacuum store. A vacuum store to a gym, a gym to a nutrition. Not, nothing I was doing transferred. And he said, this restaurant product, if you go out and find restaurants in different cities, different parts of the country, different verticals, a pizza shop here, a taco shop here, a, a beer hall here, it's all going to transfer. It's the same exact process, just tweaking the messaging. And so that's how I got in the restaurant. And you know, a year and a half after that, I wrote a book called Don't 86 Your Restaurant Sales. Uh, hold on, copy back here. I love wheels on the chair. But I wrote this book, and my concept of it was to teach uh, restaurateurs a different way to use digital marketing. Do you use marketing? Because one of the things I always say in my stuff is spend to build, don't spend to sell. Most businesses spend money to acquire a sale. Well, if you're a digital company, that's fine because you're acquiring the person's name and email and phone number when they buy something. But if you're a restaurant and you spend money to get somebody to sit down and eat food, you didn't acquire anything except them visiting one time. And so next you even got them because the yeah. nugget, uh, the key nugget of what you said a little while ago was 
all about how traditional advertising is not trackable and you can never tell if there's any ROI to it. Unless everyone walking through the door of your restaurant says, hey, Joe, I came in because I heard your radio spot, which never happens. It's like, no, that doesn't make sense. But there's still a lot of operators out there doing it, you know, because when you're in the business, the phone rings all day or people are knocking at your door all day with no appointment saying, hey, I want to sell you this ad. Hey, have you thought about a direct mail campaign? Oh, if you if we do this radio spot for you, I guarantee you we'll drive all this traffic. Well, no. It's like you're throwing thousand dollar bills out the window every month. It's crazy. So yes, this is a focused approach. This is a rifle approach, not a shotgun approach, and it's proven to work and it's trackable. I love that. It's it, to me. I'll go back to this story. When I sold radio, yes, this will tell you that this will tell you the difference. So I sold for WGR in Cincinnati, Ohio, and at the same time, we started the boat and RV dealership. Well, of course, we're buying advertising from me at the radio station. I'm like, why the hell wouldn't we? It's me. And so we're buying all these advertising. We did a used boat. We did two sales every year, a spring used boat, uh, list your used boat, because we sold boats and campers on consignment back then. And in the fall, it was our whole, hey, end of season sale. And we would buy radio two weeks a year. And I'll never forget this because it just cracked me up because I it, it made me realize how much consumers don't actually remember. This guy walks in our lot in uh, like September of that year. And we had run ads that like April and we were going to run ads the next month. And I'm the rep for the radio station. That's also my business. So I kind of know what we bought or didn't buy. And he walks in and I said, hey, how would you hear about us? He goes, just heard your radio commercial. <laughs> you heard a radio commercial for us? Yeah. Where'd you hear it? I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's my station that we played it on accident. He goes, I heard it on 1530, the AM sports station. And I'm like, okay, well, number one, we're not on the radio. It hasn't been in four months. Number two, we didn't buy from them because I don't work for them. I work for WGRR, so I know we didn't. And this guy insisted. Like, I didn't argue with him, but I kept kind of – Yeah, yeah, you knew better. He, he insisted he heard our commercial on a station we had never bought and that we were not we were in the air anywhere for four months. So that cut to me was like, wow, people don't really know. Like, he, I'm sure he must have heard the commercial four or five months ago. But then he saw something else, saw this, saw this, eventually showed up. In his mind, he heard the commercial on the way here on a different station. So mass media, all media works. I mean, I tell all my clients, like I, I call it the cell phone bar. Like where our cell phones used to have the little bars. Of that, course. Yes, yes. Still do. The problem is I look at mass media is the last bar. You don't get to the last bar on a cell phone unless you have the smaller bars. Well, those smaller bars are having your other things in place, mm. having a good website, having a good online ordering, having your in-store graphics done correctly, having a, a solid email program, a texting program, a birthday program, loyalty. You shouldn't be spending money on the biggest, most ancillary item when you don't have other things. My dad used to always say it's like building a house on sand. You don't build a house on sand. You don't put... You know, you don't put a hot tub and a deck with no house. Yep. And so that's what kind of got me down that path. And that's what I really talk about a lot with our clients is that you should be, you know, number one, most business, like I had a guy the other day called me, he's like, Matt, I want to get on YouTube with our restaurant. I said, no, I don't, I don't advise it. Why? You don't think YouTube works? I said, I know YouTube works. It works amazing. He said, why not? Then I go, because you haven't exhausted the opportunity on Facebook or Instagram. Facebook's the number one platform right now, in my opinion, and what the data shows that we have on thousands of ads for restaurants to acquire customers and sales. If you're spending 200, you could be spending 800. So no, we're not going to spend a little here, a little here, a little here. We're going to dominate here, then graduate to the next vertical. 
And that's kind of how I look at mass media is that most people aren't dominating the places they should actually be first. But it's easy to write a check to a radio station or to buy TV ads or to buy a billboard. And it's cool to go to the Reds game and see your name on the billboard. You know, a lot of restaurant operators are really still intimidated by social media and what the right strategy is and how much to post and how much to boost ads and how much to throw money at, you know, Facebook and Instagram ads and all that kind of stuff. And I always tell them, you know, chances are you've got an employee on staff that's all over this stuff and could do a bang up job helping you with this. But besides that, let's, let's go back to the algorithms and how often does this stuff change where you got one strategy, it's starting to work and then all of a sudden Facebook flips a switch and something else happens and now your, your campaign changes, shifts, it's not working like it used to and now you got to get to know this whole new platform because Facebook knows one really good thing and that's how to make money and they're constantly shifting their model to maximize their ROI and that doesn't always work for the people that advertise with them. You got any advice on that? I can agree and disagree with that. Okay, cool. Let's hear it. What we're doing, what we were doing three years ago, what we were doing four years ago, still works on on Facebook today. Okay. You just have to understand what changes they're making that cause it not to work. Because what happens is Facebook and Facebook, I bulk them all together. Facebook, YouTube, Google, Instagram, their, their main focus now, I'll say this. Their main focus outside of a three to four month around a political, <laughs> a presidential election, because it gets a little weird then. But their main focus is to deliver the people that are using the product the most pertinent information to their daily life. It's okay. like yep. if I get on Facebook right now, I can guarantee you I will see basically nothing about politics, nothing about cats, nothing about women's clothes. There's a lot of categories I won't see a lot of. You know why? I don't engage in any of it. And if I don't engage in any of it and I don't use that, then Facebook's algorithm eventually works its way out. I was telling a friend of mine about three months ago, he's like, dude, done with Facebook, man. I'm tired of seeing all this stuff with Trump and Clinton still. I said, well, they quit commenting, moron. What do you mean? Mm -hmm. I said, the reason you're seeing it is you're engaging. They're not just randomly showing you stuff. I said, here's "Here's your, uh, your test. And I said, I want you to go on Facebook and for two days, and you got to promise to do this before you quit. He goes, okay, two days, all you do is seek out content on baby goats because they're hilarious. They jump everywhere and they're, they're jumping off things. And he goes, why? I said, because within a week, your entire timeline will be memes, videos, jokes about baby goats. And sure enough, in a week, yep. we're at dinner. And this is back before the COVID-19. We're at dinner and he's like, dude. Oh, I see these goats now. I'm like, exactly. So here's what you need to do. What do you actually like? Don't comment on what you hate. Don't comment on what gets you mad. What do you love? You love CrossFit. You love cheeseburgers. You love craft beer. You love fast cars. Engage in that content. Engage in your friends that like that content. And in two or three weeks, your entire timeline will be good stuff. And it's kind of like my timeline right now. My Facebook timeline is almost exclusively working out uh, digital marketing, restaurants, and fast cars, almost exclusively. And so I get to consistently see and engage in what I love. That's, that makes perfect sense. You know, YouTube works like that as well. It's like, you know, if you constantly look at a certain content on YouTube, it's like next time your feed is, it's loaded with that content. Stands to reason. Yeah. 
I mean, you got to think about it. If, if Facebook, for example, I use Facebook as an example because to me, it's still, it's not going anywhere. It's the number one most powerful medium right now to attract anybody above 21. And we actually did an experiment uh, two months ago with a group of uh, three restaurants near college campuses yeah. and crushed it 18 to 21 on Facebook with ads. Crushed it. Like nice. one of my employees did it and I'm like, that ain't going to work. And it crushed it. Well, why? Because there's nobody going after 18 to 21 year olds on Facebook. They're still on it though. Cause guess who's on Facebook. If you're 18 to 21, your mom and dad and you get on there. My six, 17 year old daughter is on Facebook. She's not on it a ton, but she gets on it a couple of times a day and she checks it out and she sees stuff. Yeah. You know, with regards to using it is you just have to understand what they're trying to do. If you're going to buy marketing, you've got a, a digital marketing, you've got to understand their end goal. And so, for example, you know, radio, you can put whatever commercial you want on radio station. The radio station doesn't care. As long as you don't drop an F-bomb or say something illegal, you can have a radio commercial that's as good or bad as you want. If you take a picture of this book and put it on Facebook and it does absolutely nothing to stop the scroll or get people to engage, Facebook penalizes you because you just wasted the bandwidth of Facebook's users. Facebook said, hey, we're going to give you the opportunity to put something in front of this audience that you said is a good audience. If they don't engage, you just wasted their bandwidth. You wasted our bandwidth. Our customers not as happy as they would have been if they would have something that they would have engaged with. So then you take this same thing and you put a different picture and you put a call to action and you put a comment. You, know, you put something that gets people to engage. And that's, that ad gets 100 comments and 50 clicks and people stop and they click the see more button. Now Facebook's algorithm goes, hmm, people like this stuff. But what's even more important is when you give them data on who likes something, they then can go find more people that look like that. And that optimizes your campaign. And that is a huge thing that businesses don't understand. Like I had a client today at a restaurant, uh, not a client, a friend who called me up and said, hey, I'm looking for some advice. All of his Facebook ads are sending people to his website. Well, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't pivot when Facebook pivoted a few years ago. Why would Facebook want somebody to leave Facebook? They don't. Of course not. You send them from Facebook to Messenger. You send them from Facebook to a lead form within Facebook. You could, the exact thing he wanted to do, he could do on Facebook's platform. So instead of saying, hey, click here to go to my website and join my, my text club, tell them to comment below your, their favorite, favorite appetizer at your restaurant to get an invitation to join their text club and messenger. Well, guess what? Now you just got engagement. Facebook loves engagement. Now you get them to go to messenger. Facebook loves messenger. It's their platform. And now you get their cell phone number in messenger. And if you use the right automation tools, you can add that cell phone number to the exact place your website was going to add it to. So it still works. You just have to understand what they want to have happen. Makes perfect sense. You know, you, you really stood out. I watched you on a podcast recently. You had a couple of philosophies we're going to talk about. Well, one of them is all about spending to gather customer data. So let's, let's get the nuts and bolts about building a list and what to communicate and how to communicate and why, what and how much you spend. And let's talk about creating that engagement with a customer. Okay. So first, I just realized I was looking like, you'll see orange everywhere. So if anybody watches my stuff, you'll see... <laughs> Orange golf shirts, there's an orange hat behind me, and my that's on top of a beer growler. My my glass is orange. Uh, that's an MP. So if you see it, it looks like a fist bump. And maybe it is a fist bump post-corona. We can't shake hands anymore, but it's also my initials. So you'll see that a lot too. 
But what you're talking about uh, is my concept of, if you look at all advertising, why can any company sell any restaurant advertising? Because they have an audience. Radio station has spent time and effort to develop an audience that, that knows when they tune on WLW in Cincinnati at noon, they know they're going to hear Bill Cunningham spouting off about something political, period. They tune in for that. They've built an audience so they can now sell you money or sell you advertising. Of course, for, for that audience, right? Right. Yeah. And so you're renting their audience because what most advertisements do is the, the, the outcome, and this is what's completely opposite, even for a guy like me. Most of the stuff I put out, like if you've seen me online, if you go to my Facebook or LinkedIn or YouTube, you'll rarely see me selling something. You'll see me giving tips and advice and tricks and cool stuff and interviewing people. I rarely say, hey, here's my, here's my here's how to buy from me. Like there's not a button online you can really pay me money if you're a restaurant client. We don't have that. You have the opportunity to maybe schedule a call, but we don't try and sell a whole lot. Why? Because my goal is to sell. My goal is to find out people who might have a reason to buy from me in the future. Because if I can find out your information now, I can sell to you a million times in the future and I don't have to acquire you again. So you take that example of a radio station, most restaurants that would, let's say, buy a radio commercial, not even radio, they don't do a whole lot of radio, go buy a coupon magazine. Like, uh, I'm sure I got one up here somewhere, maybe not, but they'll buy a coupon magazine. They'll have a flyer you know, on it and something you know, in the back, they'll have a coupon. And in that coupon magazine, all they're doing is saying, hey, here's an opportunity to come spend money with us in the next 30 days. I get the coupon, I go spend money. Well, next month, let's say that restaurant wants to get that person back next month. What are they gonna do? They gotta pay Reach Magazine another $3,900 for that half page ad in Cincinnati. I think that's broken. In my opinion, you shouldn't be spending money to reach people just to get them to come visit. You should be spending money to reach them and then convince them that, hey, give me your name, your email, your birthday, your phone number. Then when it comes down to next month, month after that, month after that, month after that, you don't have to anymore spend money. You already have them. And so if you spent that same dollar, like, for example, a, a direct mail ad, you spend 500 bucks on a direct mail ad. It goes out. It gets 300 people to come in your restaurant because it went out to 10,000 people. Those 300 people come in. They have a great meal. They leave. End of story. Next month, spend it again. Next month, spend it again. Well, say you spend that same 500 bucks on a Facebook marketing campaign, Instagram marketing, YouTube, I don't care what it is, Google ads. And that money only does one thing. It entices people to opt in to get something from you. So now you're the delivery mechanism, not the direct mail company. And so when they opt in, well, if you've got Matt Platt's email address and phone number and he just took two or three steps to give it to you, He's probably engaged. And then next month, when, he, when you want to reach Matt Plapp again, you don't have to pay Facebook again. You've got Matt Plapp. Now you can spend that 500 bucks to find 500 more Matt Plapps, which that'd be scary if there's more of me. But you, know, they would, you can spend the money to find new customers and you can spend your efforts to nurture the people that you spent money to get last month. So that's the concept. I hope I answered the question. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to creating what you call an emotional connection with a customer. That's a powerful link. Yeah, it's, it's something that has failed. And ironically, uh, do you follow Gary Vaynerchuk much? Yes. So Gary uh, had a video. He's doing these crazy like three to four hour 
wine talks on uh, Facebook and Instagram recently with the COVID-19, which yeah. I think crazy because there's not many people that will do it, and that's why he's doing it. Uh, and I wish I had the energy to sit on the phone video with people for three or four hours. But he did one yesterday. A restaurant operator got on the phone, and it was side-by-side side and said, hey, here's my struggle. Before this, it was a price war. We're all fighting over customers. We're fighting over this, fighting over that. The, and people's the, – the cost of food has not increased at a restaurant the way people's incomes have. And so when it, we come out of COVID-19 and get back into normalcy in two, three, four months, it's going to be even tougher because margins are so slim. He's like, the margins are slim because your customers don't love you. They love a, they love a cheap meal. And his comment was the fact that you haven't built a relationship. You've built you're, – you're, you're an option for them to walk in and get food and leave. And so I'll give you an example of this, how this ties back. And this, yeah. this blew me away that I was actually right on this because it was kind of scary. So two years ago, we've got a client we work with that has a bunch of restaurants, pizza restaurants. And we, at the time, we were working with five of them. And I went up and sat down in their corporate office because I wanted to show the guy the engagement stats. We had five restaurants, five very similar neighborhoods, uh, all spending uh, $400 a month on Facebook ads for the exact thing. So here's the $400 and here's what it gets. And so the things we go after, here's what the $400 got us in reach. Here's how many engagements. Here's how many opt-ins. Here's how many of those opt-ins walked in and spent money. But more importantly, here's the key factor. Here's how many people shared it on Facebook. And so I walked in, I sat down at the marketing director and I said, I want to show you this because this has got some unique things to it that tells a story. And I said, here's five restaurants, same ad budget. The ad reached the same people. And you can see the diminishing return on engagements on this one. This one kills it. This one does really good. This one does average. This one does bad. This one does terrible. And I said, and you can see the opt-ins are reflective on the engagement. The redemptions are reflective of that. The sales with the redemptions. I said, but here's the key metric. Look at the shares. The shares are way down for these two. Like four people shared this. Mm -hmm. Eight people shared this. Why? And I said, let me make, I said, I want to just venture a guess. The person that owns this restaurant is an attorney and he bought it because it was a franchise that he thought he could have some passive income. He doesn't walk in the restaurant. He's not been there. He's not an operator. And then this person, based on their reviews, is a backup house person that never walks past that counter and knows nobody. And he looks at me. Wow. And he looks at his phone and he starts. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. What are you doing? Hold on a minute. CEO of the company comes in. Tell him what you just told me. Backed up, turned my computer, showed him, and he goes, huh, that guy's an attorney. That guy used to be a general manager of this national brand, came over and bought this franchise a year and a half ago. He's a back of house place and scared to death of customers. And I'm like, no I'm kidding. I, I said, awesome. so I was just kind of guessing, but yes. he, said, yes. he said, how do you know that? I said, because here's the mm -hmm. difference. These two restaurants, consumers are a transaction. They walk in, they order their food, they get it, they eat, they leave. Yeah. These two restaurants, because I know two of the three, but the top two, you walk in, they go, Matt, what's up, man? How's Cole? How's football going, man? You guys, he's getting big. Hey, what do you want? You want your favorite, want your favorite item? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. Hey, you guys want chips too? Yeah, okay, great. But look, we have a conversation with a relationship. So when I see their Facebook ad, it's not just another restaurant I eat at. It's yep. a restaurant that I love and I know the owners and I know the manager. And so I share it and go, hey. My favorite place, opt in, get this offer, see you later. The other places, people see the ad and they go, oh, okay, whatever. Oh, okay. They might opt in, but they don't share 
because there's not an emotional connection. And the other side of that, uh, I did, uh, I've got my podcast. Do you mind if I mention it? Please do. Uh, MPTV, if you go to mptv.watch, I interview restaurant operators and owners. I interviewed a guy named Bob Jacoby uh, three weeks ago. I guess it was actually two months ago, but it aired three weeks ago. He's a general manager of Quaker Steak and Lube in Florence. Bob is what I call the king of table touches. He talks to every single person that sits down in his restaurant. He operates his restaurant correctly. And one thing I've always noticed about him, they used to be a client of mine. I've eaten there, no lie, probably upwards of a thousand times. And the last two times I've went in has been just me and my son. My son loves their wings. He likes football. We walk in. He doesn't even acknowledge me. Walks up. What's up, Cole? Hands on the shoulders. What's going on, man? How are you doing? How's football? I seen your, saw the video your dad posted on Facebook, man. I love it. You're killing it. You're, getting, you're, you're making so much, you know, having a conversation. That's the emotional connection that I think a lot of businesses fail on because For I go sure. to a similar restaurant a mile down the street. Yep. We also eat at bi-weekly that has great wings that we really like. They don't know who I am. Like I'm the only dude that walks. I wear the same sweatshirt or t-shirt that looks identical to this seven days a week. I wear branded sweatpants or, or, sh- or shorts. I wear orange gym shoes every day. Can't miss so, you. Yeah, so if there's any moron that walks in your restaurant that you're going to recognize, yep. it's probably me. I've never once had somebody at that restaurant acknowledge me, acknowledge my family, knows anything about us. And so we've not eaten there that much during the COVID-19 thing just because it hasn't – it's like I don't have a connection. I, I'm not saying I don't care because I do, yep. but I care more about that place. Yeah. Because I know Bob and I know his wife and I know the manager. I know the bartender and I know the, the hostess. That comes down to training. I mean, I'm a huge believer. What we're talking about here is what I call affinity marketing. And in my book, there's nothing more powerful than that emotional connection, building affinity, which is defined as a powerful sense of loyalty or belonging to something. You feel like that's your place. You know, that's our clubhouse. You get VIP treatment. You walk in the door. Everybody knows your name. You know, the cheers formula. It's simple, but it's lost on so many operators. And it's not just the owner or manager that should touch the customer in a personal way. It should be the entire staff should be trained to recognize and build relationships and build affinity with every customer. That is a competitive advantage. You can't I'm, touch that. I'm writing that down because you, the cheers <laughs> formula. I love it. I, I've never yeah. heard that, but that is gold. And that is. because It is gold. I mean, I, we grew up with cheers. My people probably under 30 don't know what cheers is, but they want to. You know, it's hey, Norm. Right? Yeah. No, exactly. And, and, and that, you know, the other part of the emotional connection <laughs> that I think was, yeah. was really exposed to me during a lot of this, and I've always told this to clients, social media isn't always about having your handouts. Marketing isn't always handed up with you. That's what we're trained, though. It's like every radio commercial, if you listen to it, there's a call to action. Every TV commercial, there's a call to action. Every billboard, a call to action. I'm fine with calls to action, but occasionally, why don't you give something back? Why don't you, and you know, the only time I ever hear commercials on radio that are giving back are Procter and Gamble, who's a couple blocks from my office in downtown Cincinnati here, that's sponsoring some charity. And they can afford to do that because they're Procter and Gamble. But with social media, why aren't you highlighting different stuff? You know, your employees have a story. You know, one thing I told people during COVID-19, I'm like, you know what? If I owned a restaurant, Every day of the week, I'd say, hey, let's do a special. Mike, tonight you're taking home dinner for you and the family. What are you taking? I'm getting A, B, C, and D. Cool. 
That's the Mike special. It's $19.99. Let's go on Facebook. Grab your phone, a little tripod, and go, hey, what's up? It's the Mike special. This is Mike. Mike's taking this home tonight. You too can. Mike's going to actually give you yours when you show up at the restaurant. Who's Mike? Mike, tell me who you are. Hey, I'm Mike. Born and raised here. Went to Lloyd High School. Uh, two kids. Married. Go to that church. Love the area. Love the restaurant. Come see us. That's what you won't get out of a, not to call names out, like a Chipotle. Yeah, uh, right. Even though they're locally owned, McDonald's and Burger Kings and Wendy's, you'll rarely get that type of atmosphere. But if you're a local mom and pop or even a franchise brand that's not big like that, like here locally, uh, there's a place in my, that just wrote my podcast last night, Michael Kasteman, Rapid Fired Pizza in Florence. He's a former NHL hockey player. People are fascinated by that. Yes, I man. met him. I met him not because I'm a restaurant marketer, but because my financial advisor, Bryce, called me and goes, hey, I want to take you to Rapid Fire Florence because you work with their stores, right? Yeah, we work with a bunch of them. We don't work, oddly enough, we don't work with the one in my hometown where I'm at because I'm not a big soliciting guy. I mean, I don't really go knock on doors. And he's like, I want to take you there. He knew everything about Michael. And Michael, yeah, Michael knew who Bryce was, knew that him and his uh, girlfriend Angie come in every Friday night and get the no-do pizza. And that was the connection. Now Michael's a client you know, for yes. the last two years. Yeah, that's the way it works. Yeah, it, it's just, I think the problem is most people fail. They get so busy working in their business, working in a daily grind, that they fail to be able to look over top of it and say, what's going to make a difference? Uh, it's like me, Matt Platt. We do tons of Facebook ads, messenger bots, emails, text messages, loyalty programs. We do all this stuff. Guess how much I've actually done the past six months? I mean, how much is that? How much would you guess? <laughs> I couldn't venture a guess, but it's probably huge. I've done zero. <laughs> I don't work on the stuff. I, I created it all. My team does thousands of items, but I work on the business. I'm working on my next books. I'm working on content. I'm working on the podcast. I'm looking at what my team's doing and saying, that's wrong. Let's fix this. This is right. Do more of it. I empower my team to do it. Uh, I just talked to a restaurant the other day. I said, dude, I got an idea for you. And I, and I get a lot of kickback because everybody has an excuse of why they can't do Facebook or Instagram. I'm like, get a phone. You can buy a, an old you know, iPhone like this that's not being used. You can have it Wi-Fi enabled. Get a tripod and assign a day of the week to different people in your company you trust. And say, hey, I want to see content. You do a video. Go to the line. Do a boomerang. Do a time lapse of burgers being made. Do an introduction of yourself. Do something. I said, because here's the thing that's going to happen. Number one, you're going to get engaging content that you or me never would have done. Number two, all of those people, I want them to be different age and gender max. I want to be a 25-year-old woman, a 45-year-old guy, an 18-year-old hostess. They're going, to, they're going to create content that relates to a different part of your audience. So right now, your voice talks to that person, their voice, this person, this voice. But at the same time, they're going to create stuff and make it their own introduce them. I've got a, a client up in uh, Minneapolis that does a, these two, two ladies that work at the restaurant do a beer hour, beer and wine hour every Thursday. Well, now they don't, but before the shutdown, they did a beer and wine hour every Thursday. It was getting 500 to 600 views within hours, within two weeks of doing it. Nothing else they had was getting views. But that right there, you put two, two pretty ladies on camera talking about beer and wine through the roof. Yeah, when I said what you did was huge, it's literally a concept that I'm a huge believer in, the empowerment word I absolutely love, 
but it's like, how do you empower your staff to become what I call intrapreneurs so that they have such a vested interest in your business that they treat it like they owned it. You know, they care about every single thing that affects the customer's experience and they're recognized and rewarded to deliver those kinds of experiences. That's another gold nugget of power right there. I mean, you, you've got to give them trust too. Yeah. So I've, got, uh, I've got a full-time videographer named David. Uh-huh. He lives in Philadelphia, follows yeah. me around seven days a month. Uh, he's May 10th. We're hooking back up. We're going on, I think, a six or seven day road trip to three different cities. Uh, we're filming nine new podcasts. When I hired him and started, he went to the first time he went with me was back in January to Florida and he followed me for seven days and we just filmed content. He just followed me. We filmed, we did interviews, we did stuff. Fun. I, I asked him, I told him when I was talking about it, I said, Hey, I don't care about mistakes. Uh, I don't care about my vision. I've got an idea. I trust you with a camera. I trust your expertise. Take it and run. And I said, I want you to not worry about making mistakes because the first couple episodes, there's, there was actually the word defense was spelled wrong. Yeah. It, because there was a graphic that had the word de- defense. It had a C versus an S, which I guess apparently overseas, they also use the C version. So knows, maybe he got that from there. But Wasn't aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so he put that in there. Like, and I told him, I said, you know, I, I don't care about mistakes. I care about execution. And we're going to have mistakes. Let's just learn from them and get better. I think that's how you can get content like that is when you empower the people in your, in your, totally. your business. I mean, there's too many, too many hostesses at restaurants that are just hostesses. Correct. They, they talk to your, they're the first person your customer sees. Uh-huh. Why are they not on Facebook going, hey, guess what? There's no line right now. Get over here. It's Shelly. I'm your hostess with the mostest. I'll see you in 20 minutes. I mean, people are so yes. scared to do that. And I think that when well, you do that, they start taking ownership of Yes, it. you got to encourage that. That's what we did in our restaurants. It's like we empowered our staff to create relationships and to mark. They became our brand ambassadors for the business. They were all over taking photographs of people having fun in the restaurant with the permission, of course. They were posting all kinds of great times. And they were building our, fire, our following that went viral. It was awesome. I mean, but more than that, let's take that to the next level. Why are hostesses just being a host. Why can't hosts be trained to suggestive sell and tell a customer something that they know that, you know, the customer is going to enjoy and appreciate that the chef special tonight is, Oh my God, these cocktails are amazing. You know, you know, it's like we trained our staff. We cross trained our staff to do all of those things. I'm a, I'm not a restaurant guy. Like I'll say a million times, I don't own and operate a restaurant. I've never worked in one. It's changing though. We were supposed to have it happen May 1st. We've changed it to June 1st. But starting June 1st, including me, every employee of my company will spend five hours a week working at a restaurant client. Because we've got a lot of local clients. I've got a couple of clients that won't work. My employees won't work in the restaurant, but they're they're assigned to that owner. Okay. They're your employee for five hours. You don't work on our stuff when you're with them. Whatever they want done, you do. I'm going to be working. I've got a client that has 11 restaurants in the Cincinnati area. He's already knows five hours a week starting in June. I'm showing up at one of them. I don't know what I'm doing. He's going to train me and I'm going to work the register. I want to understand the business. Yes. But the big thing I see with hosts I'm glad you said that because you're exactly right. I remember telling a client of mine a while back, it's like seven, eight years ago, uh, Quaker Steak and Lube. We worked with three of their stores for a while. Yeah, I'm familiar they had this with that brand. Huh? I'm familiar with that brand. They had this amazing chocolate chip cookie that was served in a metal, uh, a skillet. Unbelievable. You know what the worst selling item was? The chocolate chip cookie. You know why? Because number one, nobody knew how good it was. 
Number two, by the time they got to when they would eat a cookie, they had already consumed too much. Yeah. And number three, they had like no idea. They didn't have it built in as a must have. I ordered La Rosa's pizza the other night. Three boxes came. Pizza for me and my wife, pizza for my son. What's in the third box? Every time. It's chocolate chip cookies. They have amazing chocolate chip cookies. It's $9 for, I think it's five, $4.99 for three of them. We get them every time. The first time I got it, it was a free sample by a hostess. Yes. Sat down, walked yep. over and said, hey, would yeah. you like to try a chocolate chip cookie? Well, one, nobody's got to turn down a chocolate chip cookie. Not at that time. Yeah, and I'm thinking, chocolate chip cookie at a pizza place, that's bizarre. Why? She goes, we make them in our pizza oven. Check it out. And she slid it to me. I ate it. I, don't, I think I would be willing to bet of the 100 times or so since then, I've probably not ordered them once or twice. It's five bucks every time. That, you know, so like the hostess part, back to the Quaker steak and Lou, but I told them, I said, guys, yeah, your hostess stands at the front, looks at the computer. Mm-hmm. I'm not downplaying what they do. There's probably more. Sure. How to use them. Mark off the table, walk the people down, sit on their chat, sit on their, their menus. If I was that person, I'd say I'd have them talking to them. And I, while they wait, I'd have, hey, you got a 20-minute wait. By the way, here's a, here's a sample of our chocolate chip cookie, skillet cookie. Chop it up, give it out as samples, let them eat it. Because now they're like, oh, my gosh, that's delicious. Well, guess what they're planning to get now? What would you call that? That's the skillet cookie right here on the menu. It's on the last page. Okay, I'm going to get that. So now they've planned for it. Right. So they're, they're, they're not going to pig out like me. We go places like Dairy Queen. I always, whenever we go to Dairy Queen, like we'll be at a sporting event, we'll stop by. There, it's not an option of not getting a blizzard at Dairy Queen. I'll go get <laughs> I'm a fan. burger, french fries, and a Coke. I promise you I'm going to get a blizzard. So I don't eat all of my fries. I eat probably 30% of them because I got to save room for the blizzard. And I think that's a problem. But like that hostess could be doing so much more. Yes. Uh, I'll give you an example of – and. When you said that, it kind of popped up in my mind true. of something we did. We had the boat dealership. We empowered fishermen. We, uh, we had a lot of employees that were fishermen. I wasn't. We became the number three fishing boat dealership in the entire country, and all three owners of our company did not fish, me, my dad, or brother. We saw an opportunity to excel in that world. I then realized that there were people that were sponsored in the fishing boat world. Yes, there are. I all of our employees and said, hey – Mm-hmm. I noticed they all had crappy boats because they're all making 30, 40 grand a year. They're, they're mechanics. They're doing different things. I said, here's what we did. We ordered 10 demo boats, $60,000 bass boats. We had, we had two demo hump. We had two Hummers. We had two company dualies. We had a bunch of cars. And I said, these are, you got to check them out a week ahead of time. You have to sign this form that you're added to our insurance. You have to have a valid driver's license. There's a bunch of rules, Yes, but you can use our product in exchange when you go to a fishing event, you are to be wearing head-to-toe Plaps Pro Outdoor supplied apparel. And a lot of our employees took it a step farther. They got their trucks graphic. Their trucks had our names on them. And then next thing you know, our customers, hey, how do I get a sticker for my truck? Oh, you want a sticker? Go down to Accutech Signs. They'll pop it on. It cost me 200 bucks every time. At one point, we had like 60 trucks on the road. That the only negative was when they were bad drivers, you got people calling you, telling you, hey, this truck almost ran me off the road. But I yes. took the go with the bad. We had of like course. 60 trucks. They had our logos on them. Yeah. And, the, awesome. and they asked to do it. And I guarantee if you empower your customers, you're not going to get logos on their car. But if you empower them, maybe you'll get on their timeline more often. Maybe when they get to work, they'll check in more often. They'll share a video of them and the crew. They'll talk about new menu items. 
That's what it's all about. And I think if you do that, it does two things. It creates easy content for social media. It gets your employees excited. And then it also spreads to your audience a little differently. No question about it. All awesome ideas, you know. Before, we were talking about hooks, the chocolate chip cookie and the pan and the skillet and all that. And it's like, you're absolutely right. It's like, you've got to promote internal marketing is very powerful, okay? Because obviously, you're not marketing, you know, to people that don't know you. But when you've got customers in your restaurant, there's so many things you can do within the four walls of that space to promote the most profitable items, the hooks of the place, what sets you apart from the competition. You got to train your staff to know and understand these things and to present them to the customer. You could be a bus boy and make a suggestion that just translates into a 20 or $30 sale or more. You never know. And it's like, that's why the team has to be choreographed, but you can't have too many hooks in the restaurant business. If you got a signature item, man, you got to get behind it. You got to have several signature items. That's, you know, that's just simply smart. Well, very cool. So Matt, um, you told a really interesting sort of heart-wrenching story at the beginning of this interview all about you had a $500,000 payroll and you were down to 48000 in sales a month and it's like you just put two hundred grand of your own money in there to cover payroll and it's like you're a resilient guy. I can tell that. But this is like anxiety-provoking stuff. And right now, all these restaurant owners are saying, oh my God, I didn't see this coming. It hit us like a ton of bricks. And a lot of restaurants are pivoting and a lot of restaurants still need to pivot. And this is changing every day. But there's a lot of owners and operators out there and managers that are on the front lines of this stuff thinking, how am I going to survive this? What advice do you have based on your own life experiences that you can leave with people to get through to the other side right now? Yeah, so my advice is number one, you need to, you need to connect with your audience in a different manner than you probably have already. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a restaurant, I won't mention the name, it's in my region, but I, I know the owner, I know the brand. The guy was never active on social media. Mm -hmm. uh, he was never personally active on social media, nothing. It was crickets everywhere. The minute this hit, five times a day, he's making posts on his personal Facebook page about coming to see my restaurant. None of it talks about anything but daily specials and the food and how great they are. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is so great. Where the hell were you the last six months? Right. Why are we talking? Mm -hmm. and, and at the end of the day, I'm not eating at a restaurant. Yes, the food is important to me. What's more important, though, is the entire experience. And so if I'm a restaurant right now, I'm doing my best to tell stories and talk about the impact that your dollar has on my business. Like one of my clients told me the other day, uh, Brian said, Matt, at Fatty Smokehouse, that dollar being spent isn't coming to me right now. I'm not taking a payroll. It's going to my, my staff that want to keep their jobs. It's going to uh, this chef back here, this line cook. It's going to this busboy. And every other day, he highlights some of these people on there. So that's a big thing. Uh, the second thing, I think, as we're coming out of this, because as we're recording this, uh, it's starting to come out of it. Maybe it the time comes out. It's probably on the way, mid, late May. A lot of us so. are on the way back to normalcy. You need to have a plan to reintroduce normalcy. Like I go to Coffee Emporium down the street, my office, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Two months ago, every time I went there, 100 people. This morning, three people. One of them was with me. So there's really only one other person, two other people in there besides me. Yeah. yeah. In about a month when they opened their dining room up, how many people the last month whose spouse said, hey, you realize we saved $400 the past month because you didn't go to coffee and poem every day? You think that conversation's not happening, you're crazy. It and is I happening. guarantee you, when that downtown location opens, 
-hmm. and those employees go back to all these high rises around here, there's going to be less of them going back to Coffee Emporium. But what you've got to do, you've got to remind them of the good old days. You've got to remind them of the conversations they had, the coffee with friends, the memories, the relaxation. Like me for Coffee Emporium, what I miss the most is going there on a Friday morning with my goal planning book and with, you know, here it is right here, with my goal planning book, uh-huh. with the aroma of, their, aroma of their coffee and taking an hour to me. I come to this office, I don't have an hour to me. I get in here and I'm in, it's go mode. And so you got to remind people of that, like Taco Tuesdays. How many Taco Tuesdays haven't happened at Mexican joints around the country the last six weeks? Yep. And if you got Taco Tuesday coming up in three weeks and your dining room is back open, if I'm you, I'm going back through Facebook, I'm finding pictures, or I'm making a post to my fans. Hey, post your favorite picture on this post. And in the comments, post your favorite picture of you and your crew on Taco Tuesday back in the good old days of two months ago, pre-COVID-19. Yeah, Some remind them. Their own Taco Tuesday party when we open back up. And next thing you know, 100 people post them. Then you take those pictures and you turn that into your email, your texting, your, your Facebook messenger, your Facebook ads, your Instagram ads, and you start running those pictures. Taco Tuesday countdown. We're, we're three to four weeks away. Here's your favorite memories. you got to remind people mm-hmm. of the why that smart. they came to your life. Simple but smart. You're absolutely right. Hey, I want to be uh, able to share how the audience can reach out to you. And mattplap.com obviously is your primary website, but you're also offering some help during these troubled times to operators out there at a different website. Do you want to share that email? And I'm going to put both of those in the, in the uh, show notes of the episode. Yeah, uh, that website is uh, www.restaurantmarketingbailout.com. And I named it that because honestly, that's what I view it as. Because back in 08, yeah. what really hurt me the most, I was in marketing again and we had the business and the business was closing. Seeing all the big companies, the banks, the car dealers, all getting bailouts. There yes. wasn't a bailout for the little guy. It's like, true. And, like right now, we've got a lot of stuff happening with PPP yep. loans, IDL loans, and there's a lot of good stuff happening there, some negative, but there wasn't a lot of help. So when this came about, I started this idea about four weeks ago, and we just recently launched it, but it's marketing, restaurantmarketingbailout.com. Make sure the www is there for some reason. I can't get on the back and get to work without it. I don't know what I did wrong. Yeah. Uh, okay. But the... The concept of it is we've created a 60-day plan that as long as a restaurant will commit $100 a month to Facebook ads, not to me, $100 a month to Facebook or Instagram so we can put some fire, some gasoline on the fire and drive some traffic, we've got a 60-day marketing plan that if you do it for 60 days, it's a 60-day content calendar, it's very specific, it's our acquisition tool that we use that I wrote about in my book, Sell More Slices and 26 Your Restaurant Sales. It's a survey program in there. And then it's an email and nurture and text program so that uh, after somebody opts in, they get a promotion. Two weeks later, they get an email. Two weeks later, they get a text. It's a 60-day plan to help you jumpstart and relaunch your restaurant. And at the end of the 60 days, we're going to hand you the data that was gathered. You, know, you can go on your way. If you want to talk to us other stuff, that's fine too. But the goal is to how can we, because we have the staffing, we have the capacity, and we're actually going to add a few people to take care of this. But how can we give back to the community? Our goal is 500 restaurants. Our goal is how can we help 500 restaurants from May to August or so with a 60-day plan to help them tell, learn how to tell us. Because we're also teaching them in that content calendar our tutorials. Here's how to shoot a video. Here's what equipment to buy for under 100 bucks. Here's an easy light. Here's an easy microphone. Here's an easy tripod. So it's a, it's a marketing program to help them, and it's free of charge. Just 
you know, you go to restaurantmarketingballot.com, you can click a button to apply and it goes from there. Fantastic. Well, that's awesome. Matt, you've been a wealth of marketing information. This has been a great episode. Thanks again for tuning in with us, audience, and we will see you in the next episode. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. See you again. I knew you'd enjoy uh, watching Matt Plapp in action. What a dynamic guy. You know, he calls himself the orange guy. And I really love his logo. You know, the fist bump that's actually an M and a P is pretty cool, especially during these times of COVID. So, of course, we're all about giving you information, advice, opportunities, new things to check out. And I think Matt uh, Plapp's program has some really serious firepower behind it. And uh, it's worth checking out for sure. You know, why not go to mattplapp.com or roiexperts.net and check out uh, what Matt is offering out there because I think it's uh, time well spent. Anyway, I want you to know that we have a new Facebook group. It's called Restaurant Rockstars Official. And it's a new forum for you to post your questions, your ideas, your opportunities, anything that, uh, you know, will help you connect with fellow restaurant owners out there, best practices, all those things. Please join the group. And uh, we look forward to your comments and uh, just helping each other, you know, move the industry forward. It's going to be a great uh, opportunity for you. So check that out. And we really appreciate you listening. So please subscribe if you haven't done so already to iTunes. And please leave us a review because once again, it'll help everybody out there in the industry find us. And that's what we're all about, sharing the information on marketing and finance and best practices and technology and great restaurant guests. And by the way, if you have an idea or a topic or someone you think I should be interviewing or something that you would like to see, drop me a line. Roger, R-O-G-E-R at restaurantrockstars.com. As always, love to talk to you. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.